This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you win. Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Here's Speroni. He rolls the ball out to Cannon. He's got options in front of him. He picks out Thomas. This is a nice looking move from Palace. That's a neat ball to Ambrose with space on the right. Good turn. He crosses into Johnson. Oh, yes. Back of the nest. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Back of the Nest preview podcast. I'm your host, Terence Ford of redandbluearmy.co.uk. And I'm joined by Sam Heskip and Albert Curley to dissect that loss against Brighton and look ahead for redemption at the Taxpayers' Stadium against West Ham on Saturday. Before we dampen the mood, we'll talk mice, laxatives and Spanish commentary. But then it's on to Brighton and we'll promise we'll try our hardest not to swear as we talk Kevin Friend, Glenn Murray, James Tompkins, Townsend and perhaps trouble for Roy. West Ham entertainers on Saturday, we'll talk 4-4-2, who to drop, Carroll returning and Jordan, are you playing well? Usually drink, usually dance, usually bubble. Right, Albert, you were desperate for the beer check, so let's go. Oh my God, I can't believe it. Guys, literally just as we start, I look up from my computer screen and it's just showing Glenn Murray giving away a penalty, uh, scoring a penalty against us from Tuesday night. Turn it off. It's haunting me. (laughs) We haven't even got started yet. This was supposed to start positively, um, or at least with some fun. Oh, so drink your beer, Albert. What is it? Oh, it's a Heineken. Uh, Bottle or can? One of those little stubby cans. Very nice. Neither one thing or the other, is it really? (laughs) And Heskiff, you on the water? I am. Bottle of water. Bottle of water. Oh. Yeah, I can't. I can't handle drinking. Well, the, the Brighton game should have driven me to it, but if I start, I'll never stop. So I assume you had a good day at work then. Wonderful day, absolutely <laughs> wonderful. Love it. Yeah, you got great colleagues. I hear wonderful colleagues. Absolutely wonderful. Well, I am on Brewdog Dead Pony Club today. Session Pell three point eight. Lovely. I'm already on three of them. <laughs> Haven't even started yet. Um, We're going to go straight into social media this week because we've got a busy schedule. And, uh, well, is there any other place to start than the mice infesting the training ground, Heskith? Well, I mean, we can't can't beat seagulls and we can't beat mice. So we're not doing very well against vermin-y little animals. Um, Yeah, saw the news came out that we've got a zero-star rating for our hygiene at the training ground, which is less than the Stretton Morleys, which is a... Massive two out of five. They really have that on the window. <laughs> yeah. I think they might have like coloured in a couple of the circles to make it a four, but you're not really fooling anyone. <laughs> and gone over the edges. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um Albert, I was I would assume for you this would be like a red rag to a ball. What, mice in the kitchen? <laughs> yeah. Not isn't really, that, mate. Isn't that a UB forty song? Yeah. I mean the the last time I read about uh, mice in a kitchen in a palace sense was the Tasty Jerk, um, who also you know, have a better hygiene rating. Well, they do now. 
a record fine for Croydon Borough Council, I think, was the um, was the headline <laughs> when that story broke. And it's the it's the thing that my wife quotes at me every time I mention that I've been to the Tasty Jerk yet again. Um, but yeah, that's that's quite bad for you know what's meant to be a you know football's all about nourishment and you know eating well you know these days in the modern game and you know basically our players are potentially tucking into my shit, which <laughs> might explain the form up front. <laughs> Uh, well, talking of North Star hygiene ratings and um, the effect that might have on your insides, um, the boxing, this is Billiam's, <laughs> Billiam's introduction this week, popped up with uh, Derek Chisora and Dillian White um, talking weird. I, I can't even explain it. Let's just listen. How do you beat this man? Oh, it's like this, man. Have you ever taken those pills, the laxative pills? You know, the ones you take, you pop and you wait for 20 minutes to go to the toilet and they go through you, mm-hmm. I'm going to go through this man. It's a bit of a weird analogy. What's wrong with that? Well, nothing. I mean, there's better analogies, I'd imagine. But... It, it definitely runs quicker than Jordan Ayew against a one-legged Man United defender. <laughs> oh, but um, yeah, so fair play to Derek Chisora for that one. Um, instead, mate, of taking a laxative, just get yourself down to uh, the Palace training ground and just eat some my shit. And um, I'd like to think that that he's he's actually had a he's tried to drop a bit of a product placement name <laughs> with a well-known laxative brand, but he's actually forgotten the name of it and just completely balls it up. Yeah. Well, it took um, Chisora quite some time to actually uh, just sort of work it out. When you actually see the video clip of it, his face is very, takes him a few seconds and then he's just like, nope, I've got it now. And it still is just shit. Excuse the pun. I uh, also like the fact that he really casually says pop a laxative like it's some sort of recreational drug. <laughs> yeah, do, doing it in Ministry of Sound on a Saturday night. I'll do, I'll do an half. I'll do it. Do it half. Do it half. All right. Um, and Billiam's on fire this week. He also pointed out the the Spanish commentary, the Townsend goal, which seems like a very long time ago now after the Brighton defeat. But um, it was quite joyous. So let's have a little listen to that. <laughs> I mean, I just particularly like being able to pick out individual words, Albert. That's almost verbatim what I said when it happened. Hennessy, Hennessy. Makes him sound so exotic. It does. It would be. It would be nice if we could just have like the highlights on the CPFC eagles channel whatever it is on palace tv to just you could watch the 90 minutes back with that commentary that'd be great i'd absolutely love it um or you know hesketh your your missus comes from a spanishy background <laughs> do, you, do you could you do it <laughs> a spanish an undisclosed spanishy background <laughs> um i don't know who speaks more spanish me or her to be honest so <laughs> Which... I know who speaks more nonsense. <laughs> Don't slag off my wife, mate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so there you go. If you um if you just learn a little bit more, Hesky, if that could be you in the in the media area at Sellers Park, just um giving it some goal. Although I was I was a bit disappointed that the goal only lasted for a few seconds as opposed to when it's, you know, a good 30 seconds of overindulging. But there you go. Right. We've we've delayed long enough. It's time to get into the review of the Brighton game. Back of the Nest Match Preview Podcast. www.backofthenest.com Right, Heskiff, there was a lot of people afterwards talking about this perhaps being the worst performance in this recent Premier League era for us. Uh, do you mm. agree with that? Um, I don't... I don't think it's the worst performance of the Premier League of this Premier League era. Uh, however, 
I think because of who it was against, obviously it's magnified quite a lot. And, well, I was going to say it was against 10 men, but for the second goal, technically it was against nine men, wasn't it? So um, for me, the one that stands out is Sunderland at home and we were four down at half time uh, as the worst because we were just absolutely abysmal. But I think because of who it was against, because it was a Brighton game and it's one that we're all, uh, you know, nervous about and we're all sort of sitting there hoping that Wilf can sort of tell a piss out of him again as he normally does. Uh, it it feels the worst. I don't know. I don't know if it was the worst, but it feels the worst for me. Yeah, I mean, Sunderland for anyone, any Palace fan, Sunderland's got to be the worst performance in this in this recent Premier League era because if you, you just can't go four 0 down at home to a team who I don't think had scored four goals away from home for something like a year. Um, but Albert, that that game acted as a watershed moment for Palace. We jumped up from there and um, really put, you know, an amazing run together that saw us finish somewhere like 11th in the league. So do you think this Tuesday's result could be the the sort of lift that we need this season? Uh, no, no, probably not. Um, I would like to, I know we'll, we, we'd all pick the Sunderland result. I'd like to um, chuck my hat in the ring for the Huddersfield uh, opening opening game of the season under De Boer. I think that was an absolute travesty. Um Brighton was bad, but that was a that was a bad half. You know, it was a, a calamitous first half, but it wasn't the worst performance by a you know by a long stretch. Like yeah, Sunderland and I think Huddersfield. I'd, I'd really like to think that we'll go to West Ham and give a reaction, like you say, and go on a bit of a run. But you know, we weren't we we weren't in great shakes before. I know we played well against Burnley and we sort of battered them, but you know, Burnley are one of the very, very small handful of teams at the moment who are somehow contriving to be worse than us. So whilst it was nice to see and I enjoyed it and we thoroughly deserved it, I don't think it's anything, you know, it wasn't anything to sort of get overly excited about. And, you know, all the good work that was done in that game kind of got ripped apart in a very short space of time a few days later. So I can't say that, oh yeah, West Ham, we're going to turn it around and and give them a walloping. You mean... If we got a point, I'd be happy, but I can't see it being necessarily the, the kick up the proverbial that we need. Mm. Well, James Tompkins used to play for West Ham and Hesky, if he picked the worst time to have his his worst performance in a Palace shirt, probably. Yeah, it was, I mean, in in, in a, a team of people not playing very well, he was a, unfortunately a bit of a standout. Um, I think he was supposed to be marking the bloke who scored their second. Um, obviously, he, he got done for the third, sort of managed to get back in front of the guy and then... He got an assist for the third. Yeah, and then teed it up somehow. Um, and he just, yeah, he just everything that you expect of James Tompkins, he, he, he did the opposite of. You know, he looked shaky, he made errors, and even in the second half, maybe because he was trying to sort of atone a bit and he sort of went up the pitch with the ball, gave away possession and they went on the break. He just... Yeah, it was an absolutely horrible performance from him, unfortunately. And you know, you what you hope you want to think he can turn it round and, and get back to normal. I just hope that his confidence isn't, you know, isn't too rocky. Because um, if he makes a bit of a slip up early on against West Ham, you, you know, he he might sort of put in another performance like that. Hopefully, he won't. I'm I'm not trying to be even more miserable than normal, but it's just not the performance you expect from him. You know, he's usually the cliched rock at the back you, you just you can assume everything's going to be fine with him but yeah worst worst game to to do it in really wasn't it mm, well someone who's consistently bad so it's probably not surprising that he was bad again is Kevin Friend and I don't want to put this across like I'm blaming the referee for the defeat although part a little part of me is <laughs> don't get me wrong the performance was bad up to that point anyway but it's that's shocking from a referee in the Premier League, Albert, to give a penalty for that MacArthur challenge. Yeah, it's 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 not a pen. I mean, there's there's penalties that you that you see. I mean, we, we've got plenty of them, and you you see them every week on on you know the highlights packages, especially in the Premier League. That you think, all right, I don't ne- I don't necessarily think that's a penalty, but I can see why he's given it. Do you know what I mean? Like, and especially when it's when it's one against your own team, you do, you do tend to lean in with a bit of a bias. Mm. 
Um, but like even with like mad Brighton fan goggles on, I just couldn't see how anyone could have given that as a penalty. It's don't even need the. It's, it's not even one where you need to watch it in slow motion and go, "Oh, did he go?" No, no, it, it's not a penalty, mm. and you know that really sets the tone for the rest of the game, really. And I know, I know, you know, you have to give him credit. He, you know, he sent off. Um, who got sent off for Brighton? Duffy. Duffy sent Duffy off, so that's a good decision. But you know, and he gave us a penalty, which again, a lot of referees might not have. But I think the damage was done by that point, and. Just little things like the, the Zaha booking in the second half, like Zaha's, you know, almost like trying to pirouette over a challenge whilst keeping the ball. And it's only because the Brighton players come steaming in to try and take him out, you know, yet again, that Zaha's, you know, studs have landed on the guy's leg, you know, not a, not an unnatural angle. It's just the guy's come between his foot and the floor. Mm. You know, and to give Zaha a yellow for that is just, you know, that's sh- it's shocking. It's, it's shocking. And he's... He's certainly no friend of mine. <laughs> um, and of course, Glenn Murray stepped up and slotted the penalty. There was that momentary, I don't know about you, uh, Heskiff, where it just looked like it might be going over when it left his foot. And there was that little bit of hope. <laughs> yeah, there was. I, I thought, I mean, obviously it was only for a split second or whatever, but yeah, they're either going, it sort of hit the bar and went in almost, didn't it? Yeah. But you just, yeah, it did look for a second as if he, he'd skied it, no. doing us a favour. But So it's obviously the third game in a row now that Glenn Murray has scored against us. And um, mm-hmm. there was obviously a lot of Palace fans in the away end still clapping him uh, when his name was announced. And I think when he went off as, uh, when he was substituted in the first half. Um Based on the fact that he's now scored three in a row against us, Heskiff, and I'm asking you because I know how much you love Murray. Um, and the, I'm going to say fact, having watched Glenn Murray loads of times at Palace and seen him do this a hundred times, he tried to dive for that penalty. It was the exact move that he does all the time when he's trying to buy free kicks on the halfway line where he drags his feet and collapses his body upon the contact. He was anticipating contact there that never came. And he has ended up trying to dive for a penalty. And the ball, for to add insult to injury, has bounced off of him and gone out for what should have been a goal kick, which James Tompkins could have very easily stopped from being a corner. Um, but he was too busy turning around having a go at Murray for diving. So do you think it was an attempt at a dive? Um, I haven't seen it back. <laughs> but, all right, Arsene Wenger. <laughs> <laughs> at the time I thought it looked more of a penalty than the one that was given um, so I will do a bit of a thing I don't know to be honest I, I thought at, my initial instinct was oh that's a penalty hmm. um, it looks more was... like a penalty it certainly does look like a penalty but when you actually see it slowed down you see Glenn Murray just behaving like his normal clever self when he's buying free kicks mm. on in other areas of the pitch what about you Albert rage at him for cheating I never really fell in love with Glenn Murray like a lot of Palace fans did. I certainly don't rue the fact that he's not here. I know he's, you can say he's still continuing to score consistently, at, you know, or fairly consistently at Premier League level. But, you know, this this whole hoo-ha about why did we let him go? We should never let him go. You know, we let him go to Bournemouth. Bournemouth didn't think he was good enough. He's gone back to Brighton. He's got himself a bit fitter. You know, he's, he's, he was, he, he, I mean, credit to him. He was, he's, after his injury in the playoffs for us, you know, he was, he did well to come back and get where he's got to, but I've got no, my heart doesn't pang when I see Glenn Murray in a, in a Brighton shirt. He was there before us, uh, before he came to us and he's there now and yeah, try to cheat for a penalty. So. (laughs) And then obviously disaster strikes from the resulting corner that shouldn't have been a corner. (sighs) I wrote about this saying, your main focus is Brighton score a lot of goals from corners, right? And set pieces. Your main focus is Glenn Murray. He's off the pitch injured. Shane Duffy has just been sent off for one of those stupid headbutts. I don't know why you'd even do it. It's a, it's just a stupid, stupid thing to do. And it is a red card. Uh, I don't, I don't think there's any arguments about that. So Shane Duffy's off the pitch. So it just leaves Lewis Dunk, right? So there's should be the task that each one of those is being picked up by someone. So what are the other two people doing, Heskiff, when they just watch Balagon come on and just run to the back post and just stand there and go, thank you very much? 
Well, that's the thing. It, it, it's not even like he made a clever run or he sort of, you know, dummied one way or foxed two defenders. He ran into the box, sort of just stayed there. And by the time the ball had come over, everyone else had just like pissed off and left him on his own. Um, and yeah, as I said, I think I think it was Tonks who's supposed to be marking him. And, you know, like you always do when the opposition have a corner, you just shout mark up, you sort of look at who's marking who. You know, two seconds later, you don't want to be seeing the guy who's literally just come on. You've all just watched him. Literally, yeah, he, everyone the, watched he, him. He's the focal point of every Palace player because he's come on, uh, standing on his own. And I mean, it was a decent finish, but you know, he, how much time did he have to sort of stand there and weigh it up? So yeah, it was, I mean, we we all know we were saying on the train on the way down that you know they're good at set pieces and it's going to be something that we need to really concentrate on. And like you say, two, two of their sort of main assets in attacking set pieces are, are not there. So it's just, I mean, awful, awful goal to let in. Yeah, we can't score from set pieces and can't not concede from them. It's it's fantastic, isn't it? Um, it gets worse. I mean, I am of the theory, Albert, that if we clear that corner, we can win that game. Do you share that? Mm. Well, yeah, we yeah. I mean, we can. They're down to ten men. Um, if we yeah, if we clear that corner, we you know we're we're only yeah we're only one nil down and plenty of the game left to play against a, a a team reduced you know to ten. So yeah, there's an argument for it. Whether whether we'd have the the quality to go on and you know actually deliver, I don't know because you know we played a whole second half in those circumstances and. Mm. You know, all right, we got one back, but it was a, it was a. I'm not saying it wasn't a pen, but it was a, a you know, a pen that you, we might not have got in, in other circumstances. Um, you know, Brighton came out and and just camped, you know, ten men behind the ball, trying to nick us, nick us on the break in the second half. So, yeah, we could have gone on to win it, but I mean, we, I'm sure we're going to get on to it. But that third goal, I mean, I, I know, I know, we've already mentioned that James Tompkins has had a stinker like throughout the game, but we really must hammer home how much of a stinker he's actually had for that for that second goal. Es- essentially, the bloke that scored the goal has, has technically made a sixty-yard run to get on the end of that to get on the end of that corner. He's just come on the pitch, legged it on, and yeah. And you look at what I watched it again today. You look at what Tompkins is doing. He's like he's kind of with him, and then he and then. Like he sort of makes a run back to the goal line to I don't know what he's anticipating, but he's certainly not going to get back to the goal line to intervene in whatever he thinks is about to happen. And then all of a sudden he's trying to turn round because the ball's behind him, and he's yeah. And then the Balagan's like, "Thank you very much." <laughs> yeah, thank you very much. From what like 15, 16 yards out, like it's mental. So. Yeah, whilst what whilst we could have won it, I, I don't not necessarily agree that we we would have because, I mean, Zaha wasn't on form and Plan A was still give it to Zaha, see what he can do, and I think we let ourselves down. Just our general levels were 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 just poor. Yeah. Um, obviously, then Brighton scored a goal four minutes into stoppage time, um, and obviously for anyone who missed the match of the day stat, it's the first time in top flight history that um, two substitutes have scored in the first half. <laughs> so that will forever be in the wrecking box. They'll probably make it, they'll <laughs> get a DVD made or something. So, um, but <laughs> uh, I mean, Tompkins look like, looks initially like he's beating all ends up, Heskiff. And, mm. and then gets back and it's almost like a little smile comes on his face. Like, oh, I can't believe I got back and nipped out the pacey Romanian. And then... <laughs> He just seems to just make the turn for the Romanian and just sets him up nicely. Exactly, yeah. Because, you know, to start with, I was always, he's been done all ends up. This bloke's quite quick. Somehow he gets back, so he's in front of him. And you think, right, good, just lever it. You've, you know, you've done the hard work, just punt it, get rid of it. And he, yeah, like, you know, just seems to tee him up. Here you go. Just have a little go at that. It was, it was weird. It was bizarre. It, it was right in front of where we were stood and... Sort of couldn't really believe what we were seeing, to be honest. Um, annoying. It was just annoying. It was a crap goal should, to let in. Should Hennessy do better? <laughs> Hennessy should expect that Tonks is going to take a nice little touch to tee up the striker. 
No, no, absolutely not. Hennessy was probably the only player we had who was all right. I don't think anyone else was particularly good at all. It's because he. It's because we had like eighty-five percent possession in the second half. Exactly, because oh, he didn't have to do anything. Now, one other point I wanted to pick up on was Andros Townsend's crossing. Now, for weeks. Now, I've watched him and always said it. You're thinking the ball to the back post. These crosses are perfect for Benteke. Where are these crosses when Benteke is on the field? And every single time, Zaha or whoever's playing in the centre is running near posts and they just go over the top of their head. With however long it is to go, we bring on Surlot up front. Surlot keeps peeling away to the back post every time Townsend gets towards the crossing position and Townsend whips it near post. I wanted to pull my hair out uh, and I don't mean that because Andrews Townsend's got hair plugs, Albert, but is he just stupid or is this something they've worked on in the week and it's Surlot's not following instruction? What's happening? Well, I, I don't want to be harsh on Surlot, no. Uh, is Townsend stupid? No, I don't think he's stupid. I think, and I, I don't I don't mean, there's no way of saying this without sounding like I'm putting the boot in on Townsend. I'm really not. I just think Townsend sometimes suffers from a bit of a headless bit of headless chicken syndrome. Like he gets the ball, he's looking to cut in. I don't think he necessarily looks up a lot. Like even, you know, he's not, he's a very instinctive, he get, tries to get the ball out from under his feet and just, you know, tries to whip, whip, whip him whether it's a shot or a cross. And I don't, and I'm not having a go at him necessarily, but I just think, yeah, sometimes it's just, I'm, ju- I'm I've just got to get this ball into the mixer and, whether whether it's a lack of intelligence on his part for looking up and and sit and trying to spot a run, I'm not saying there's a lot of runs to spot. Granted, uh, or whether it's yeah players like Sirlot or whoever it is up front not not anticipating it's probably it's probably six or one half dozen of the other. I, I just think he is a little bit, you know, it, it's, it's it's like a, uh, it's like instincts. He's just trying to dig the ball out and get it in without any sort of real. Um, for you know, forethought of the quality of the ball or where it's you know the the, the specific area where he's trying to put it. Uh, Heskiff, with that in mind, do you think it's probably fair to say to Andros Townsend then that you know without the consistency of a strike force in the middle, like a you know you've always got the same person to aim for. It's if if there was more consistency up top, he'd be able to provide better crosses. Yeah, he probably would. I mean, like you say, when Benteke was playing is and, and scoring. He and Andros linked up pretty well. Um, and when, you know, when Hodgson came in, we did revert to sort of getting to the byline and cutting it back along the floor quite a bit for maybe an on-rushing midfielder. Like, you know, when MacArthur scored the winner against uh, Watford last year. But you would think that wingers with the quality that like Wilf and Andros and, you know, our, our fullbacks who come forward have, they'd be able to know when to cross it to the far post and when to smash it at the near post. So it probably does help if you know, if you've got Ben Tech out front, say, and he's always going to be making a certain run or he's, he's going to get on the end of, you know, a certain type of cross that it's just sort of instinct to do it. But I mean, they're good enough players to be able to mix it up. You would have thought. So yeah, I mean that was it, it is disappointing, and I do sort of expect a bit better from him. Yeah, well, I think I remember watching something with John Solarco talking about the triggers that um, he, Mark Bright, and Ian Wright worked on to sort of understand where the ball was going to go. So they didn't there didn't need to be any communication. It was just the type of run that Solarco was on. Ian Wright knew that he'd go near post, or Bright he knew that he would go back post, and Wright would try and peel off for some sort of knockdown based on literally on, on how Solarco's run was going. And Solarco at the same time knew that my run's going like this, so I should cross it. So again, maybe that's something that can be worked on in training. But um, again, without actually have any consistency up top I guess it'd be hard to know who to work on it with uh Nathan's asked us a question and then we'll end it here end the Brighton stuff there um we've only beaten Burnley Huddersfield and Fulham so how how long can this garbage continue before we make a change so Albert is is Roy's job under threat at the moment uh not to give too wishy-washy an answer but you know every every Premier League manager's job down the bottom eight is 
you know, he's under threat. Mark Hughes has already had the axe come down on him at Southampton after sort of keeping him up last season. So Southampton have one win this season. Who's that against? Oh, some really shit team, I imagine. I can't, I can't, I can't even think. No. Uh, so yeah, his, his job is his job is under threat. You know, we've we don't have a uh, you know whether it's because they leave or we sack them. Apart from Pardew, we don't really have anybody that has really stuck it out for a real, you know, a real sticky period. Um, so yeah, his job probably is, un- is under threat. I'm not saying we should pull the trigger, um, but we can't, we can't go on as we are. Something needs to change. Now is that we, you know, we stick our hands down the back of the sofa and find another 40 odd million like we did with Allardyce and, you know, buy a striker and inject a bit more quality into the team. Uh, or is it a managerial change? I, I don't want to see Roy get sacked. I think he's the most likable, likable Palace manager we've had in a long time. Probably in our in our Premier League tenure, you know, Holloway is very likable, but he was useless. Um, I like to think Roy is Roy's in equal measure likable and, and knows his stuff, and he did a fantastic job when he came in last season, which is why we've given him the contract that we've given him. So I don't want to see him go, but I think. It, you know, anyone who says that his job isn't under threat is, pro- is probably a bit of a romanticist. Oh, very detailed answer there. Um, Hesky, if I'll pose you this, a lot of people like to say, well, who else is out there? Um, I did see a tweet, forgive me if you're listening, I can't remember who wrote it, but saying, um, I can't stand people who say, who else is out there? It's the most watched sport in the world and there's 7.5 billion people, there's going to be someone out there. <laughs> Dream team, me and Albert. <laughs> oh, I'm a bit busy, mate. Oh, yeah, fair enough. I'll go it alone. Uh, well, I mean, yeah, there's always going to be people out there. Um, I think uh, I agree with what Albert said. I think, you know, if if a bad run goes on for too long, then you're sort of left with no choice. But I think, I think Parrish will probably be very reluctant to do it. Uh, but it might just be that, you know, if if we sort of swing around a bit and, and stay up, maybe Roy goes amicably in the summer and then someone else comes in. Um, but it's going to be very interesting to see where we are after this December, Christmas, New Year period. Because um, if the bad run does really carry on, then, you know, that th- this sort of talk is going to be a lot more frequent. Yeah, I think um, Pardew had a very, very similar record to us this in the season he got sacked at the same sort of stage of the season um who else did we sack in a December was it Warnock maybe he had a similar sort of record so he's that de- yeah Warnock went after getting smashed by Southampton on Boxing yeah, Day right so and it's a very similar amount of points stroke records so he's definitely who we who are we playing on Boxing Day this year oh Cardiff Neil Warnock managed by <laughs> <laughs> oh god if we lose 4-0 at home to Cardiff well 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 um yeah I don't know I I, I would tend to agree with you there Hesky if I, in an ideal world he stays the end of the season and then it's all done amicably he retires or whatever and um we can have another go at trying to move us on a bit I guess um I guess a lot of that depends on how much funding there is to sort of semi-rebuild the squad for a new manager. Uh, we could do with, you know, not having to sack a manager and paying him off some money. So that will keep some funds available. But, um, you know, in my in my ideal world at the moment, I think, you know, he sees out the season and then we get David Wagner in is what I'd love. I think he's done a fantastic job at Huddersfield and I would love to see that happen. So, um yeah, when clip this billion and then when David Wagner becomes our manager next season, we can play it back and um, I can lord it over everyone. <laughs> no, just kidding. We'll finish that there. And then when we come back, we will be talking about our trip to the London Stadium on Saturday. Back of the Nest Match Preview Podcast. www.backofthenest.com so I was listening to the West Ham Way podcast in preparation for this and they said Palace had just been beaten by their rivals so it's a great time to be playing with playing against them. Do you agree with that, Heskiff? I actually do agree with that. Um, I mean, it, it, it's that thing that you talk about, isn't it, where you think either we're going to have a massive reaction so it's the worst time to play a team or they're just going to sort of carry on spiralling. And, you know, I just think 
the Brighton game should have been the one that they were all up for, and it was such an insipid performance that you know uh, that I mean that's what really got me. So you know, a game against West Ham it isn't as big of a deal to the fans. I mean, obviously we want to win. Um, and, you know, I think it's one of those games of West Ham scored fairly early. It, oh, I just can't see us doing anything, you know. Um, and it's it's weird, obviously, after the, the Burnley game, we were brilliant, you know. And yes, Burnley were terrible, but it's always nice to see a team play so well. And that's what you think, well, if we play like that, we'll be fine. So obviously the most recent match that I saw was the Brighton game where we were awful. And so in my head, I'm like, you know, we're awful. So, yeah, that's a long way to say yes, I agree with them. But I think it's, we we need to not let in an early goal, basically. Otherwise, I think we're doomed. Albert, like Derek Trezora on Laxitis, um, do you expect a massive reaction on Saturday? Uh, Well, if we, no, uh, no, no, I don't actually. I mean, West Ham's one of those teams. We, we, you know, we we've had a mixed a mixed bag of results against them since we've been in the Premier League. Maybe it's not. I'm not. I'm not got it in front of me. But it's. I think it's pretty even on on wins for and against. Um, but they spent a lot of money in the summer. You know, they they do have they do now genuinely have some quality players. I think Arnautovic is out, isn't he? Or he limped off. Yeah, he's um. They he could be out until January. He's had um. A scan on his hamstring so yeah he's an he's a goner so that's that, that's a player who i would worry about outfoxing tompkins certainly if james if it's the james tompkins from tuesday night and sacco um so that's a plus but they've got they've got quality in other areas and you know we're we're up against it but you know maybe it's it's one of those away games where again we go there we play the 4-4-2 with townsend and zaha they're not quite sure how to deal with it and you know we'll try and hit them on the break so i'm not i'm i'm not going into it confident by any stretch but i you know i'd i'd rather be going away to west ham than you know going up and playing somewhere like city or you know or anfield um because we'd be on for a real pace in there yeah, it's definitely been an even bag between us and West Ham. Um, I think we drew two, drew both games last year. I think one won their, their place and two two at ours with the late Zaha equaliser. Um, and then it's we bounced back three one for quite a while, kept beating each other three one. Um, so yeah, very very even. But you know, West Ham are really excited. It's the first time they've won back to back games in the Premier League for something like a year and a half or something. It was. It, is what I picked up from listening to their pod. So they're very, very excited. But, you know, seeing the game against Cardiff, they did, uh, you know, Fabianski saved the penalty at nil-nil. Uh, Cardiff missed a couple of good chances. West, A couple of West Ham's goals were fortunate. I think it was a Cardiff mistake and um, a bit of a dodgy finish from Prez. It could, it could have been a very different game. And um, they were apparently, you know, for a good 30 minutes in the game, they were, they were struggling against Cardiff. So... There's definitely, there's still a work in progress under Pellegrini. So there's certainly going to be, um, we're going to get our opportunities in the game. But looking back to the Burnley game and thinking about how excited we were all by the performance, the more I thought about it, the more I just thought, you know, we've been struggling to break teams down this season. And we did it with James McArthur scoring a goal that creeped in at the far post. And that was great because then it kind of made me think of Chelsea the season before when Kabaya's shot bounced off Aspilicueta and went in. Is this going to be our luck turn? And then, of course, Andros Townsend sticks the ball in the top corner with a worldie and you're thinking, right, the shackles are off. We're going to start scoring goals now. And then, of course, we go to Brighton and it's back to scoring a penalty and missing loads of chances of really struggling to break a team down. And... Um, against West Ham as much now they've moved to playing to 4-4-2 as we've been playing with so we'll certainly match each other up in a 4-4-2 but Heskiff I, I get West Ham's fullbacks are just way more mobile than Burnley so can you see us causing them as many as much problems as we did for Burnley in terms of Burnley not really knowing who to mark where you know the West Ham centre-backs are younger more mobile will be able to get about us their pace can get them out of trouble a little bit more I would have thought it, I would have thought that's the case. I mean, the thing that got me with Burnley was, you know, even though they were in their like rigid, rigid lines, they didn't really press. You know, we had the ball a lot and could sort of do what we wanted. 
which allowed us a lot of time to play the ball through and make little runs and play little nice little triangles. And I'd be very surprised if we get that much sort of time and space against West Ham. Um, you know, the flip side is with, with what we've got, you'd hope that we can get behind them and we can play through them. Uh, so it, there's a lot of ifs and maybes, but yeah, West Ham are going to be a much more difficult proposition than Burnley were because Burnley just didn't do anything. You know, they just, it was a terrible performance from them. Um, they didn't offer anything going forward. Their defence was very static. And I don't think that'll be the case of West Ham uh, on Saturday. So, yeah, it was tough. You know, we've seen the two two sides of Palace in the, in the last week um, looking great on the ball, full of invention against Burnley and then absolutely clueless uh, against against Brighton. I don't I can't really remember Brighton's goalie having a save to make. So, yeah, it's hard to know which Palace is going to turn up. Um, but, I, yeah, I don't think West Ham are going to make it easy for us, that's for sure. Mm. Albert, Hodgson has said that the, the entire squad's still available. We didn't pick up any knocks in the Brighton game. So um, do you expect to see the same the same formation and the same team playing? Or after the Brighton debacles, do you think someone needs to be dropped just to appease the fans, if anything? I'd I'd agree with you in principle, but I look at who we could who we could bring in, and there's not there's nobody there for me that justify justifies that reasoning. And you know it's a sad indictment, really. Like, do you bring Schlupp in? I mean, when he's not ripped up any trees recently. He might he might I mean he might have tried, but he'd have probably miscontrolled it. Uh, Sir Lot, I could see. I can't believe I'm about to say this. I've only had one Heineken, but I can see maybe an argument for Serlot. Mm-hmm. Just again, something slightly different, something to aim at. Because again, we've got a, if we, if Townsend's going to be just trying to punt the ball into the box, we we need some sort of lump in there to try and get within twelve feet, even twelve feet of it would be nice. <laughs> uh, but ultimately, we don't have we don't have a, a wealth of options. So uh, unless you two have got any genius ideas. For me, I would probably wake up on Saturday and and play the same eleven. The shape might change a bit, but I, as for personnel, I don't I don't see what else we can do really. Well, Hodgson said it. He turns around and looks at his bench when we're three 0 down and thinks, "Who am I going to bring on to give me a chance?" Of... And then he turns back around and looks at the pitch again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but who's going to give me a chance to win this game four three? And he says. Um, he doesn't see anything there and part of me thinks is this sort of a message to the board to say you know look I need reinforcements here um, but then he's in his press conference today saying that um, Ben Teke will be back soon Wickham is progressing well and Sorlot's improving every day and that Jordan Ayew um, is playing well in my opinion he said now <laughs> I know I know this has baffled a bunch of people but at Brighton on Tuesday night when we're 3-0 down and playing against a team that has 10 men and no ambition to even cross, not not even a halfway line, the semicircle on their side of the halfway line. I still can't get on the pitch when we need three goals. So I'm there thinking it's to the end of his time at Palace and it'll be gone back in January. But Heskiff, he's there saying he thinks he's playing well. Yeah, I've got nothing on that. I thought the same as you. You know, we... we he's He's you know, a forward player, if not an out and out striker, you you're chasing a game, but he can't he can't get on the pitch. I mean that's pretty damning. And um I think you know, part part of me always thinks back now to him getting beaten by Lindelof. And you know, we joked about it at the time, but it's embarrassing if the guy's pulled out of a hammy and he's beating you. Um it's not a surprise that he doesn't get on. So for Roy to come out and say he's doing well you know, I get you don't want to you don't want to slag your players off in public is one thing, but you just don't say anything about him. Just you know, leave it because he's he's not playing well. If he's playing well in training, you would think well he'd play, you know, in the actual match, and he's not. And when he has played in the match, he's been crap most of the time. So, I don't, yeah, I've got I've got no idea what Roy's talking about there mm. at all. Well, Jordan's brother Andre used to play for West Ham, so. Um... If we get Jordan Ayew on the field, maybe some sort of weird ex-player syndrome will kick in. And along with Kiate and Tompkins, that's that's three goals, isn't it, Albert? If you say so, mate. <laughs> you know, 
What odds are you offering? <laughs> well, I'll tell you what odds I will give you. Not very good ones on Andy Carroll scoring, who's made a timely comeback, got some minutes against Cardiff, and um, with the injury to our now will probably be in line to get minutes against us. So are you expecting another bicycle kick or towering back post header? He's going to... He's he's gonna he's gonna clear clear a corner in his own area with an overhead kick, and it's some it's gonna somehow fox everybody and, and trickle in. So let's all look forward to that on match of the day at probably about twenty to twelve. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm speechless. So I think we might as well end that there. And um, when we come back, we'll be talking predictions. <laughs> Back of the Nest Match Preview Podcast. www.backofthenest.com And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Back of the Nest Match Preview Podcast www.backofthenest.com So last week, again, very long time ago, um, 68% of people got the poll right on Twitter saying, at last, uh, in getting a win against Burnley. Um, this week, I haven't looked, so I'm... I'm I'm going now. I'm, I'm tentatively squeezing and looking through eyes because I'm worried about how bad it's really going to be. Ooh, okay, so the options were for a win, lovely bubbly. 27% of you have gone for that. Draw was 15%. You're having a bubble is the leading option at 34%. But of course, that leaves a fourth option for a big West Ham win. And that's jelly deal me now. Albert, you went for lovely bubbly there, so you're um, well. You gave the option lovely bubbly. I'm sure you did. <laughs> oh yeah, I don't, oh no, I don't think that's what's going to happen. Let's just clear that up. Go on then. What's going to happen? You can let us know first. Uh, I think we are. Oh god. Um, head over heart. It's going to be one all. Okay, that's that's fine, fairly really. positive. Well, yeah, but you know, I've, had, I've had a whole can of Heineken. <laughs> uh, well, Nick's gone 1-3 loss, but it's all fine because Big Ben will be back by February. <laughs> um, and another feeble display with Roy looking like an elderly gentleman that has escaped from a residential home. To top it off, Sorlet will yet again perform his West African giraffe impression in a 2-0 defeat. Surely you could be more positive than that, Hesketh. Oh my God, can I? <laughs> Um, did, you were telling me on the way back from Brighton that West Ham has scored three goals in the last uh, two games. Three goals in each. Uh, I said it right? earlier in this podcast, but yeah, but I mean. <laughs> earlier in this well, I mean, yeah, sure. T- time is a construct. <laughs> um, so I, I I just I just think we're going to lose. I think they're all right at the moment. I think, you know, after Tuesday, I, I just can't see us getting a win. Um, so I think they'll be three nil. I'm very disappointed. <laughs> wow. um, I'm a little bit more positive. There's got to be a reaction. Um, look, uh, the proof of the pudding in recent years is that West Ham don't win three games in a row. So they're going to be they're going to be unlikely to win. I know that makes zero sense, but I'm clutching onto anything I can here, uh, <laughs> and I expect to see a reaction. I really do. Um, James Tompkins, I mean, it would be ideal for him to get one over his former club and, you know, redeem himself after Tuesday night's performance. And, of course, we did um, 
at the end of last week, we asked the question, um, would you rather beat Brighton twice and finish below them or lose them twice and finish above them? So, of course, now, Albert, we're in this delightful position where, you know, Tompkins can, you know, trigger off the reaction we need to climb up the table and eventually finish above them. Yeah, if you say so, mate. Yeah, what what odds are you offering? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm with you, mate. I'm going for a one-one in this game, um, and I I will go for James Tompkins to score. There you go, in a one-one. Although I will never forget in the three-nil loss when Carroll scored that bicycle kick, I had uh, a tenner on Tompkins at something like eighteen to one to score first, and he missed an absolute sitter from a yard out. So. He owes me one because uh, I'll probably stupidly make the same bet on Saturday after a few beers. Uh, right, we'll finish that there and then we'll come back to say goodbye. Back of the Nest Match Preview Podcast. www.backofthenest.com Yeah, thanks for listening, everyone. Slightly longer show this week than normal because of the Brighton <laughs> review. I guess we had to do it uh, a little bit cathartic, I guess, but... Um, there you go. Heskith, hopefully West Ham will roll over, let us tickle their bellies and you can be in a better mood next week. Yeah, fingers crossed. Yeah, well, at least you have your wonderful colleagues go to work with tomorrow. Can't wait. And uh, Albert. Yo. You on holiday next week? No. No. <laughs> Don't go on holiday very often. Been away once in like three years. Wasn't funny the first 15 times you said it. Okay, well, whatever happens uh, this week, make sure you say hi to Bill Nye for me. And um, we'll be back next week, normal time, where we will be previewing the visit of Leicester City to Sellers Park. And hopefully that will be reliving last season and turning them over 5-0 again. What was you saying, Albert? Whatever you say, mate. Whatever you say, mate. <laughs> Until next week, up the palace. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is, that's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.